We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Gotta clear my throat. Good morning, grinders. Good morning, grinders. Okay, I got it. I got it in. Good morning. Welcome to the DFS pregame show. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender at Blender HD. If you want to follow me on Twitter, and it's Tuesday, June sixth, and we'll be talking about sets. Whoa, 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 whoa! What did I say? Set sets. S e t s. Not sets. Get 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 the dirty minds out of get get all get all that out of your mind. Talk about sets today because that's what we do here on the dfs pregame show tuesday wednesday thursday when there's no mlb baseball slates you know when grinders live is on or you don't have mondays with mccool fridays i I cover you know first look for mma we do unstructured learning here how to how to play dfs better conceptually how to think about the game how to think like a professional dfs player if you want the structured version I would suggest going to theoryofdfs.com, get uh, get my uh, fundamentals masterclass, 15 hours long, as well as the advanced players course, which comes with custom Excel tools to apply profitable DFS strategies. But we talk about all this type of stuff on on the show. I answer your questions, right? You could uh, you could email, you can email anything you want, any questions you want answered on the show. Questions at theoryofdfs.com. So get those in. I still have, you know, I I I I keep them, I keep them in a little document, whatever. I, I get I get to them. I they they pile up and certain topics come in into play. And then I cover them on the show. And then we got the YouTube chat. What does here? Suki Singh. Suki Singh. Uh very uh early. Just want to make sure that everything on the broadcast is fine. It's saying, oh, you can't watch us on Facebook. Okay. Is anyone watching us on Facebook? I'm sorry. I don't know. Uh, we got uh, Bart B in the chat, Joe Mack, Daniel Hutchings, Evan Woody, Trey Minacci, Peter Viles, Dante. We have, we have a hub bro and nerdy tenor in here. Okay. That's, that's nice to know. Talking about sets. Why do I want to talk about sets? Okay. 
I'm bringing this to I'm, I'm trying to use this as as a pseudo example. The best way to explain or rewire your brain to think in terms in DFS terms where there is no there are no distinct correct answers and the amount of variables you need to weigh in your head means that the more and more you think black and white, the less and less good you're going to do, right? You have to think not in black and white, okay? So why am I talking about sets, okay? Well, I don't want to talk about just that the mathematical versions of like, what's a what's a universal set? What's a power set? You know, sets of things. Like what's a, you know, like what things are in your office? There's a set, right? There's infinite sets that, you know, how many numbers are there, right? Positive numbers. That's an infinite set, right? But we're talking about characteristics, how we describe things, okay? And what are the what are the elements, the variables, if you want to put it, in describing something, okay? And thinking less black and white and more about what it actually entails. So let's say, for instance, Let's say, for instance, uh, I wanted you to describe. Give me one element. You're you're in the you're in the chat, right? Give me one element of describing a human being. You'll see how this comes into play. This will seem like a weird game, kind of a weird exercise, but I'll tie. I'll try to tie it around at the end. So, give me one element. If you were just going to say. I'm looking to describe a human being. If it like if it if I saw something with X element, I would describe it as a human being. Okay. So I'm saying height, carbon, eyeball. Okay, okay. Daniel Hutchings says eyeball. It doesn't have to be correct or what it does just give me something. Okay. So we have eyeball. Okay. So if if something has an eyeball, is it a human? That's that's essentially what I'm trying to ask. So are humans the only things that have eyeballs? Well, my dog is an eyeball, right? So simply by saying this, I'm going to describe something that has an eyeball. It could be a human. It could also be a dog. It could also be an ele- elephant, right? It could be, an, it could be, uh, if you want to just, it is an eye, but you know, those little googly eyes that you could like glue on to like an art project. Are, the, are those eyeballs? Could it not, not even be a living thing? Can a, can a non-living thing have eyeballs, right? So I'm thinking of terms of the set, the set of things that have eyeballs. It's not just a human, right? Okay. Now, if I told you that something that had an eyeball and two legs, be like, okay, that 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 describes a human. Are there any other things that have eyeballs and two legs? Are there any other things? What what have two legs? And what would you consider legs? Does it does, does like a bear? Does a bear have four legs? Are those considered paws? How about a monkey? A monkey has legs and eyeballs, right? So if even if you said eyeballs and two legs, that that a hundred percent of that is in humans, right? Well, Dante says speech. Well, we're looking to describe we're describing something by by sight. Peter says birds have two legs and eyeballs. Okay, there you go. Two chickens, I guess. Also. 
So there are a lot of there are a lot of things that have two legs and eyeballs. So if you if if I told you, it's like here's this thing that has eye eyeball and two legs. It, like you wouldn't just say human. There couldn't it couldn't be anything else, right? Now let's say let's say, for instance, uh, if well, let's go in the other direction. Let's say eyeballs, legs, and one foot tall. Like one one foot tall. Okay, that's prob that's probably a bird, right? That's that unlikely to be a human. Are there any humans that are one feet tall? Could there be well, babies? There are babies. Ba- baby one foot? Newborn newborn babies are about one foot, right? Something like that, right? Okay. So if if I was to create a set. Of L of something that was had eyeballs, had two legs, and was one feet tall. What percentage of that would be humans? Okay, what percentage of that would be humans? Would it make up most of the set? Some of the set? Only small portion of the set? How much of it would it be? If I said if I said uh eye eyeballs, two legs, and it was 14 feet tall. Now I don't think there's any human beings that are 14 feet tall. Right? I mean, you were describing what, a giraffe or something? Something. And can elephants be 14 feet tall? Maybe. Camels? Something with really long necks or something, but let's say giraffes. So how much, how much? What animals, what things would be in the set if I would describe something that had eyeballs, two legs, and 14 feet tall? How, what percentage of that would be humans? Probably zero, probably zero percent, right? Now, let's say, let's say six feet tall. I, all I had to do was change one variable, right? Eyeballs, two legs, six feet tall. Is that a human? Well, it could be. It could also be a donkey, right? It could be some, it could be some, the gorilla, a six foot, a big gorilla or something like that. Something with two legs. If we consider whatever, I mean, some, I mean, I don't know. So there's some animals that you consider it four legs or do you consider it legs and paws and what I, who knows? But what is the set? Once I had, once I put in eyeballs, legs and six feet tall. Is that 100% humans? No. But it's a majority of humans, right? That would that would probably describe a majority. The, the set of things that are those three variables, probably 80% human, right? 14 feet, 0% human. One feet, 5% human, right? Because probably newborn babies. Everything else would be dogs or, you know, this birds, anything like that, Okay. So as I change variables, the set changes. The percentage of how many things there are of whatever type of animal or thing or whatever will change. There's very rare that a set will only contain one thing. You'll have to add so many variables, right? Okay. Eyeballs, 
two legs, six feet tall, uh, went 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 to this school. Like you'd have to describe a, a, a very specific human being, a person with a name of one to get down to the point where it's like it's 100% that thing, right? Because let's say we keep on going and go, okay, well, born in 1979, right, has red hair, right, is 44 years old, right? Like, you're describing me, but it's, I don't know. I think maybe you could find some a 44-year-old that's six feet tall, that has red hair, that is a human being. That is, that there'll be other, there's other people there. There's other, there's, there's got to be someone, right? Now, what if we if we change the age to 102? There's probably only one person, right? Now, now we're starting to get down to not many people lived to, to be that long. So once you start adding, like, well, he he, he was from New York City, and uh, you know, like, you know, once you start adding really specific stuff, like his mother's name was this, and like that, then you're talking about now the set gets down to one person. Why am I talking about any of this? Said because most people that play DFS do not think like this, right? They don't think in terms of sets. They think think in terms of I'm going to take three out of seven hundred thousand variables, and once I see an eyeball and legs and six feet, I just assume it's a human, and I just a human. Like, because that's the only thing it could be. It's like, there's no such thing as gorillas, right? There's no such thing as 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 flamingos, right? A big peacock. I've seen peacocks with the wings extended. They could be, they could be six feet tall, right? They don't think in those terms. They go, nope, nope, got to be human. And I go, no, no, not all of those, not all of those things that you describe are, are human. Your goal is to pick out human. There are more, yes, there are more humans in your set. But not all of what you describe is human. In the same way, let's say in baseball, if I were to describe a lineup, this lineup has five Rangers and three Mariners. Right? Is that is that a is that a good baseball lineup? Like that? So not not necessarily. It is. There are more lineups that look like that in what would be a plus EV set of lineups. But that individual lineup, just by the sake that is five batters from one team and three batters from another team, doesn't make it plus EV. It doesn't. Well, you're playing five Rangers and, and three Mariners. Yeah, I'm playing five bench Rangers. I'm playing, I'm playing five of their pinch hitters and three Mariners pinch hitters. Am I, can I do that? That is five players from one team and three players from the other team. Would you consider that to be a plus EV lineup? No, it's not. They're, the projection of that lineup would be horrific, right? Oh, so we that means we have to take into account the projection also, right? Okay, so the projection is a variable also, just like height is in our other set, height. How many eyeballs do they have? Like that, it's the same type of thing. How much correlation is there in the line? That's that's another variable, right? We talk about the levers of DFS, projection, correlation, and leverage. The ownership of the players, when it, especially when talking about GPPs, that's another variable 
in the set. So to look at a lineup and describe it by just one of the variables doesn't give you the answer on whether or not it's, it's, a, it's a, quote, good lineup at all. There are five three lineups that are absolutely horrific. There are lineups that have eight one-offs that are way more profitable than, than five, five, five-man stack lineups. It's just that there are more, if we look at the set, if we had a set of good lineups, long-term profitable lineups, that to whatever extent. And let's say there's 100,000 lineups on this coming slate that could potentially be profitable out of the billion that we can make. There's 100,000 of them. If you go, well, I'm going to play a five-man stack. And that, as long as I have five players from one team, is that a good lineup? Not necessarily. There are, there are tons of lineups that have five players from one team that are not profitable. But in this set of 100,000 profitable lineups, a large proportion of them are five-man stacks. So there's more of them that look like that. Does the individual one that you make, is that profitable? Not necessarily. But there's there's a higher chance. If you were to randomly make a five-man stack lineup in baseball, you're much more likely to build one of the lineups that's in that set than if you build some 2-2-1-1-1. Are there any 2-2-1-1-1-1-1 lineups in this set of good lineups? Yes, there are, but there aren't many of them. But there are, there are, but there are many of them. And also, you know how many combinations there are of those types of lineups in general? Because of making two, one, 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 you can, trillions, right? Who knows? A very large amount. Now in the set of good lineups, quote unquote, good lineups, maybe that, that construction of two, two, one, 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 and the rest of one-offs, Maybe only there's only 3% of all good lineups are that. And you could make a billion of them. So what are the chances that you built a 2-2-1-1-1-1-1-1 lineup that is profitable? That is part that is in that set. Much lower. Doesn't mean you doesn't mean you can't. Just means it's less likely to be in that set. That construction, not considering any other variable, it's less likely to be in there. So if someone asks me, it's like, should I build a five-man stack lineup in baseball? I said, you don't, you don't have to. But if you have no way of determining if certain lineups are higher EV or profitable than others, your best bet heuristically is to build five-man stack lineups because more of the set of good lineups are five-man stacks. You can build 150 five-man stacks and they'd be all unprofitable, right? Because out of the set of 100,000 good lineups, maybe 60% are five-man stacks. 60. That still means 40% aren't, but 60% are. You can build 150 lineups and maybe none of those 150 are in that. Then Maybe out of all of those five-man stack lineups, you happen to build... You know, line up with some horrible pitcher and 
the three one-offs that you have are just so low projected or too high owned because you have other variables to deal with. It's quite possible you build 150 lineups and even at five-man stacks are not, but it's very hard to do that. You know why? Because in the set of profitable lineups, there are just so many more five-man stacks. So just by happenstance, you're most likely going to be building plus EV lineups. Are you guaranteed to? No. Well, here's this five-man stack. Is this good? He's like, as long as the projection is high enough and the, the ownership isn't high enough, you're, prob- you're probably, it's probably one of that set, right? Oh, so that means you can't build four, three, one line. This is what, this is what most people then move on to. Oh, so you're telling me I can't build a four, three, one lineup. I said, you're, you're obviously not thinking correctly. Let's get back to sets. Okay. Just sets. Six feet tall, eyeballs, and two legs. You go, okay, well, that's a human. I said, well, it's a gorilla. So, oh, so that means, that means anytime I see eyeballs, like, then I can't trust that it's, that it's going to be a human. So I then don't care about eyeballs. It's like, no, you still have to care about eyeballs, right? It's one of the elements of being a human being. Just that you can't just do that. You just can't say, I'm I'm going to build 150 humans, 150 things, and I'm just going to put two eyeballs, legs, and have it be six feet tall, right? And when I have 150 of those things, people are going to go, and someone's going to go, well, these are 150 humans. And I go, no, you're going to have a gorilla in there, right? You're going to have a, a flamingo in there. You're going to have a peacock in there. They're like... Yeah, but I want humans. I go, yeah, but what you're also describing is other things. It's like you, there are other variables at play. You can't just simply do that. Yeah, now you're more likely, there are more, there are more humans that fit that description than peacocks. So if you were to build 20 without looking at any other variable, you're probably going to end up with 16 humans or something like that. You're going to end up with four four things that aren't what you want. You're going to be wasting those four things. But you need to know that if you don't mind wasting those four things, you're doing it heuristically. You just go, okay, I'm just going to build I'm going to build five-man stacks in baseball and just go by the fact that more of the set of good lineups are five-man stacks. There are one, okay, there are one-off lineups in baseball. There are lineups that have eight one-offs that are way more profitable than five three lineups. I mean, it's 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 fundamentally accurate. There are five. You can build a five three lineup. Take the two worst projected teams. Maybe they're the high. Maybe they're over owned also, and the two worst projected pitches. And on the two worst projected teams, you're also you're leaving eight thousand salary on the table, and you're playing like the worst, you know, lowest way that you could do it. You're your projection is like 50 points below anything that's reasonable. That is a 5-3 lineup, right? If you were to just if you were to play the cash lineup, the highest owned lineup, 11111, whatever the hell it is, that would be much more profitable than that lineup. Now, are you likely to are you likely to win a GPP with that lineup? No, of course not. But you cash enough times that it's actually higher expected value than the other lineup. There are, there are plenty of lineups. And I'm not even talking about just, I'm I'm using the extreme examples here. So if you build, if you build a 
all eight one-off lineup on DraftKings. That could be that could be better than any than someone else's. Someone could build 155 three lineups, and your your lineups with one 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 the whole eight one-offs are better. So the, oh, so you're telling me that I should make one 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 if you know what? How many of those lineups exist? In the set of good lineups, 1%. How many possible combinations are there? Millions? So there's 1% of like 100,000. There's maybe maybe 1,000 profitable lineups that are all eight one-offs. On the possibility of how many combinations of those, uh, God knows how much. I mean, now we're talking about ridiculous amounts. What's the like? Do you have any way of determining if a specific eight one-off lineup is what what is its expected value versus the field of opponents versus other lineups that you can make that have five-man stacks? Do you have a do you have a way of doing do you have a way of doing that? Maybe you can find one of the 1,000 out of that set of lineups <coughs> that is actually profitable in a large field GPP. If you don't have a way of doing it, well, good luck to you finding the needles in the haystack, right? And the specific one, 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 eight, one off lineup is going to be very, very dependent on on leverage situations, on the ownerships of specific players and the combinations of them. Do you have a way of determining that? If you do, you could end up playing some of those lineups. I know Nerdy Tenor, you know, he has his algorithm and his program spitting stuff out. He has all different constructions in his lineups. He has a way of determining that, even if it's not on by his own site, by the computer doing it. The computer will have some four three lineups, four two one 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 lineups, some three three one one lineups. It's determining that. It's determining whether or not this three two one 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 lineup, one one one, yeah, lineup. Is better than this five-two-one lineup, or five-one-one-one, or five-three line. All these things that we're talking about, five-three, five-one. These are all descriptive terms. In the same way that six feet, eyeballs, and legs are descriptive terms of a human. It's not the only thing. Is the five-three lineup profitable? Not necessarily. There are more profitable lineups that look like that compared to other constructions. But, that, but that's all that can be said. Six feet, legs, uh, two legs, and eyeballs. <coughs> there are more human beings that fit that characteristic than other things. But specifically telling me those three things doesn't mean that I'm looking at a human. Because there's plenty of other things that are like that, that, are, that aren't human. But a majority are. It's the same exact thing. So you go, well, how do I determine if I say, if I have a six foot, six feet, eyeballs, and two legs? If something's a human, I go, okay, let, let's think of other characteristics, right? Other, other variables, right? Can they, can they talk? Can peacocks talk? I've no idea. You'd have to iron it out. And that's the same thing in DFS. 
That one, 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 one lineup, that all eight one-off lineup. If all eight players were 1% owned, that lineup probably is not good. The 5-3 lineup with all 1% owned could be fine. You know, well, how does that make any sense? Because all the variables are weighed against each other. Okay? So what makes it that 5-3 lineup? I put five bench players from the Rangers, and I put three bench players from the Mariners, and two relief pitchers in my in my pitching spots. Why is that lineup probably unprofitable? I'm saying, you see, I'm saying the word probably. I can't say definitively that it's not because I don't know what I'm comparing it against. But in, in all, all things being equal, in a normal contest, in a normal slate, and whatever, that, that would likely not be profitable. Why? It's not because it's, oh, well, it's 5-3 because the projection is too low. Right? I mean, you got guys that may not even take in a bat in your lineup. Okay? What happens if I play, what happens if I play uh, uh, eight players and pitchers and they're all sub 1% owned? Well, they're probably 1% owned for a reason because their projection is low. Is their projection high enough to make up for, you know, for that much, that much? Yeah, you're, you're getting lower ownership, but is it worth it enough? I don't know. You'd have to determine that. So if you take a look at one lineup that has eight 1% owned players and a lineup that has all 20% owned players, people would go, well, I'm going to play the one with all 1% owned players, the GPP. So then the other lineup could be way more profitable. How is it more profitable if they, they, oh, they, they're playing all these, the, the two chalkiest stacks together in the chalk? In and of itself, you're describing something in and of itself. Doesn't mean that it's not bad. It's not a bad lineup. There may be a specific combination that's bad. But in and of itself, if I told you that everything was 20% owned, you'd be like, well, I can't play a lineup that owned. Who said you can't? Maybe that still is a profitable lineup. That may be part of the set of good lineups. That still could be. Is it the best lineup? No, probably not. You can't use one of the levers, projection, leverage, correlation, construction type, any type of descriptor, as the be-all, end-all of what, what a, quote, good lineup is. You can't use any finite description of any of it. I'm going to repeat that. You cannot use a finite description of any lineup as a heuristic. Is this lineup good? It's 5-3. That, that doesn't mean anything. Well, what's its projection? What's its leverage? What are the what are your opponents doing? I need to know about 400 more variables. Simply, if you just want to say, I'm going to build five five-man stack lineups because most 60% of the, 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 the most profitable lineups are, that's fine. But it doesn't mean that your specific ones are plus EV. Doesn't mean that. That's not what it means. It's not what it means, right? My number one response has been in several emails that have come in the, since I've been gone are, you don't understand what this means. You can't say, you cannot say that. 
six feet tall, eyeballs, and two legs, human being. I go, you cannot say that. You can't say it. Yeah, but I'm describing a human. No, you're also describing a gorilla. And then the the response is, yeah, but I mean, there's not that many gorillas. I go, yeah, which means you can't, still there's the set, there's still stuff in there. You can't just deny the fact that these things exist. So going in and going like, oh, I'm I'm gonna play, I'm gonna play a lineup that is uh 140% owned at this projection and not this line. Who's the higher owned lineup could be more profitable? Well, how is that possible? This one is less owned. I go, but that's not the only variable. That's that's not the only variable. Don't treat it. Well, this is a lineup. Like, for instance, we, we use the portfolio trimmer, right? And I go, in theory, and I always say, you have to listen to me literally. I always say that we're using blunt methodologies. So let's say you have a lineup at 150% owned, total ownership, which is blunt in and of itself. That has a median projection of 120 and you have another lineup that has 150% ownership and a median projection of 115. Which lineup is more profitable? And you're going to say the lineup at 120 because why would you have the same ownership with the same median projection? Right? That's what that's what you would say, right? Let's put it on paper. Here's the lineup, 150% owned, 100% owned, 120 median. There's one that's 150% owned, 115 median. Can you determine which lineup is more profitable? The answer is no. Do you see why the answer is no? Lineup A and lineup B. If you're in the YouTube chat, tell me why the answer is no. Which lineup is would be more profitable to play in a large field. We're talking about large field GPP, whatever. A lineup that sacrifices five points in median, but gives up no ownership. You would think like, well, that lineup has to be worse than a has to be better than B. And I'm telling you that isn't true. A is more probably better than B, but it isn't better than B. Right, Daniel Hutchings says 150% doesn't capture everything you need to know. That's correct. You're using small elements from this set of descriptors and going, I'm just going to ignore everything else. Could be Travis said, why would I sacrifice meeting without giving up ownership? Okay, this is why. What if I told you now that the ceiling of this first lineup is... uh, 160 and the ceiling of this is 3000. I'm just going to make I'm going to be exaggerated just to show you. Yeah, the meet A's median is higher. But B has a high like B you could you could win the GPP with it. Right? So you don't know what the ceiling like it's a variable I am not giving you. Right? I am only giving you this information. Why would you like Kirby Travis is like just just 
falls into the stupidity, right? This is, the, this is the main reason why I'm asking these I'm showing you this. Goes, doesn't question anything. Why would I sacrifice median without giving up ownership? What does median matter? Median is one of multiple variables that you're considering between two lineups. I've given you two of in DFS that would probably be, if we really broke it down, at least 5,000 variables. At least. I would say probably, I mean, if we break it down even more, probably tens of thousands of variables. We only talk about maybe five to ten of them, maybe, at most. A lot of those variables have to do with your opponent's lineups, which, without knowing, you'd have to predict that. But I've only given you this information, 150% total ownership. We also know that total ownership, ownership sum, is a much more blunter, much more blunter way than than product, which are still both blunt methodologies. So let's say lineup A. We already did. The, I already showed you. It's like, well, what happens if this lineup had 160 ceiling, right? We consider that whatever the 80 84th percentile or whatever you want to call it, and this lineup had 170 ceiling. Yeah, lower median. Right, same ownership total sum. But this had a higher higher ceiling. Like the B could be more profitable than A, even at the same ownership sum. But I didn't tell you what the ceiling was. You would have to you would have to look at that. Right, you can't just simply go these two variables. That's all I'm looking at. These two variables, ownership sum and median. That's it. That's all the only. I don't care about anything else. Well, what happens if if uh, if A, for instance, this is baseball. Let's say A was a this lineup, and B was uh, was a was this lineup. You're sacrificing five points in median to get all this correlation. You're not you're not giving up. You know, it's the same amount of ownership. But I would argue that B is probably more profitable than A now. In large field GPPs. So correlation is another variable. So simply looking at ownership and median doesn't mean anything. Now, if these are the only things you saw, if you would have chose A over B with the same ownership every single time, you're more likely to, you're more likely, there are more lineups. Do you get this? The, the thinking that you need to have. If only given these two two variables, I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play A over B. It doesn't mean a lineup A is more profitable than lineup B. It just means that given I only have these two variables, it's more likely that there are more profitable lineups in that set that look like A than look like B. May not be that much. It may not. May only be 60-40. Who knows? Then we have ownership sum. Like, what happens if the difference is, out of this 150, let's just say this is a lineup. This is the ownership of, uh, let's let's just say that there's five players, okay? Just so I don't have to to put out ownership for 10 different players in a baseball lineup. So let's say the ownership of this 150% is 
this. Let's say you you only have whatever five player lineups, right? So here's the ownership of all five players in this lineup, right? Here's the ownership of all five players in this lineup. Let's let's go 60, 40, 20, 40, 30, 10, 10, something, something like this. We could even make it even more exaggerated. Something like this. All right, does this equal, I don't know, does this equal 50? The 150 to some, some extent, 50, 50, something, something like that. Right? I would argue that number that, that B would be a more profitable lineup than A. Because A would be more combinatorically owned than B. Having that 5% and 10% player in here is worth more than sharing so many points in combination with so many other people. So even though the own, the ownership product of B is lower because of this, right? The ownership product of A is higher. The sum is equal, right? So there's another variable. It's another thing, right? If I were to see nothing other than ownership sum and median, there are more profitable lineups that are A than B. But it doesn't mean that that's, oh, well, that's it. There were lineups that lineup C that here's here's an here's a nut here's an help. I didn't even talk about distribution of payouts. Okay. So let's say you have these two lineups. Let's say I showed you these two lineups and I go, you go, okay, well, what's the point in sacrificing five points in median for no ownership difference? Well, what is I told you that that A that A and B were this had the same. Um, let's say, let's say I told you they were they were both the similarly profitable. Which one? Which one would you prefer to play? Right, and then they you'd go. Well, what does it matter which one I play? Said, well, what if I told you that B wins first place more often? You'd go. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna play B. B wins first place more often. You know how stupid that sounds. I just told you before that both lineups have the same exact profitability. So how is it possible that these that two lineups can have the same exact expected value, yet one wins first place more often than the other? How is that possible? You go, well, I want to win first place more often than others. I want to play that lineup over the one that doesn't. But I, I told you, they're the same expected value. Which means if we played this out a trillion times, each lineup at the end, you'd have the same amount of money. So why is it that if I asked most people, right, most people that do not think in terms of sets, if I showed them two lineups and I say this one, they, they have the same expect, expected value, Lineup A wins first place more than lineup B. Which one do you want to play? They go A. They reflexively go A. When the answer should be, when properly bankrolled, it wouldn't matter. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, it wins first place more often. Yes, you're right. It does win first place. What's what is what does the words more often mean? Maybe it only wins first place more often by point oh 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 one percent. Maybe. What if I told you that the one lineup wins first place twice as often? Go, well, I want to play that one. I told you it's the same expected value. So how is it possible that at the end of a trillion trials? That a lineup that wins twice, wins first place twice as often would be the same as a lineup that wins twice less as often. It's because, yeah, it wins first place twice as often, but also doesn't come in the top 20th percentile, like four times less than the other lineup. So one lineup, let's say lineup A, wins twice as less as lineup B. But lineup A, you know, gets you 10th place and 50th place and 100th place more often. Min cash is way more often. Lineup B, which wins first place twice as many times as lineup A, when it doesn't win, it's typically not cashing at all. So it wins first place for $50,000. But it... And it wins twice, that twice as much as the other lineup. But the uh, that other win that it's in the place of, it's getting $0 while this other lineup is more consistently making 5X, 10X, something. It's making up enough money that by the end of it, everything's equal. Essentially, it's variance. Essentially, one lineup is higher variance than the other lineup. Now, if you're properly bankrolled and, you know, Playing the proper percentage of even, you know, you have you have little risk of ruin. It wouldn't it shouldn't matter which it shouldn't matter which one you play. They both have the same expected value. It shouldn't. Now, even with any amount of risk of ruin, you probably are looking to take the lower variance approach, right? I mean, that that would be the more sustainable approach. But all is all at that point is that it's a difference of variance. So I could I could show you all there are lineups. The high I, I say this in baseball, the most profitable lineups. If you ran it out through a computer, you ran simulations, the most profitable lineups. 
in MLB DFS are lineups where you stack against a 70% owned chalk pitcher, stack five, five players, and you play three one-offs that are 1% owned. Three, one, three, with some path, a, a, a decent enough projection that are going significantly under-owned, right? 1% owned. And you're probably also playing, in a, in a, probably a pitcher that's like 5% owned. Those are like the most profitable lineups there are. They have the highest, they show to have the highest expected value. They also have the highest variance. They win 0.00001% of the time. Yet they're played less than that. It's very similar. Imagine we had a 5,000-sided die, right? You should be getting paid 5,000 to one, but you're getting paid 25,000 to one, right? Now you have a 50-sided die. Instead of getting paid 50 to one, you're getting paid 54 to one, which is still profitable. The 5,000-sided die is way more profitable. But how, how many rolls in that? To realize that EV, like the variance of that is going to be insane. The other one is much lower variance. You're going to win. You're going to have less less profit. You're still going to have profit. You're going to have less profit, but it's going to be much lower variance. So if you want, if you want to play the most profitable lineups long term in MLB DFS, just wait for a slate that has a 70 to 50, 60, 70 percent on pitcher and build 150 stacks against them. You'll win, you'll win like $200,000 in that because you'll win like all the places, right? You'll win a ton of money, like once every couple of years. And every other time, you're going to probably be lose pretty much all your money. You're going to put in three grand or whatever to max enter, and you're going to lose like 98% of that, like, like every slate for like hundreds of slates in a row. And when you when you when you win, you're gonna you're gonna make you're gonna make up all of that. You know you're gonna win often enough that you're gonna you're gonna have you're gonna have a profit. And a lot of times you're gonna be taking first, third, fourth, seven. You're gonna be taking like like you're gonna take seventy percent of the entire prize pool when you do win with 150 lineups. So go ahead and do that. Those are the most profitable lineups. I hope you have like a $30 million, $40 million bankroll. I don't even know if that's that's enough to do that. But those are the most profitable lineups. Now, if you're building a 150-set portfolio, probably no one has the bankroll in order to play 150 of those. But maybe you can play three or four of those. You can. But do you see how we're describing lineups? We're not just blanketly. Saying, well, this is this ownership. This is this median. It's a 5-3 lineup. It's like, no, there is a set. We, I'm going to use a parenthesis. Where, where are those my brackets? Right? There's my brackets. We have a set. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. We keep on going. That's what a set is. These are all the lineups that 
are theoretically profitable on a slate. In baseball, if you were to play a five-man stack with the two highest projected pitchers, I guess, right? If we if we tried to narrow down to what are more, the key word is more. What are more of the lineups look like? Not what do all the lineups, dude, nothing describes all the lineups. What do more of the lineups look like? And what do we mean by more? How many of the lineups in a set of li- of profitable lineups are five-man sacks? 60%. That's out of 100,000. There are 40,000 lineups that aren't five-man stacks that are profitable. Right? Only 60%, 60% are five-man stacks. How many of those contain, like, the highest projected pitcher on the slate? 30% of those. Once we narrow it down, out of the 100,000 lineups, the lineup that you're putting the descriptor on, right, there may be like 4,000 of those. That type of descriptor. Is the lineup that you built one of those 4,000? I don't know. But there are 4,000 of them. So the likelihood of your lineup being one of those 4,000 is much higher than you trying to build a 3-2-1-1-1 lineup with the 5% with, without the highest projected pitcher. And like, good luck. Do you have a way of determining that? You can. It could end up that way, depending on its projection, depending on its ownership, depending on all these other variables that we talked about. It could be profitable, but not win, be very good at winning first place, right? It could. I could look at a lineup and go, yeah, that's that's not going to win first place that often. That's that's more of a min cashy type of lineup. But it still could be it could be profitable. But which one would you rather have? There are more lineups, more lineups that have that look like, with more first place win equity in this profitable set than there are that rely heavily on minimum caches. But there are ones that do. There's just less of them. Okay, that's the key. Think in terms of more and less of a set of profitable lineups. So when someone comes to me and goes, I have this 4-3-1 lineup. Is it good? I go, I look at that and I go, yeah, that looks fine. He goes, well, is it okay that I didn't make a five-man stack? Sure, you could make, dude, you could show me, you could show me a lineup with three, two, two, one. You could, you could do, you could make an eight one-off lineup. I never said you couldn't. Do I, is it likely that you can make an eight one off? You can make an eight man, eight one off lineup that's profitable. Probably not. It's unlikely. Can you? Sure, but it's it's unlikely. Do I have a way of even determining whether or not it's profitable or not? Probably. I don't. At that extent. Maybe Nerdy Tenor does, but I don't. So you know what? Because there are less of them in this set. And I have very little ability to determine certain one-man, one-one-one lineups are, are profitable. I'm not going to build them. It doesn't mean that they they don't exist. It just means it's a less. There's just less of them. Sometimes people see a lineup that I play in the 121 or something. You go, oh, you played a four-four lineup. 
Like, do you do do you not want to play five three? And then I I look at them and I and I wonder how they tie their shoes. It's like, how do you do you not watch these shows? You don't have to build a five three. You don't have to do any of these things. These are descriptors. There are four four lineups in this set. There are three three lineups. There are one. There are all types of lineups. There just happens to be more of a certain than a more than other. So if you have no way of doing anything, if you're sitting here, we have nothing. Half your brain's gone. And you go, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna build a lineup that I I want to I want to build a profitable lineup. It's the same thing I talk about with the marbles all the time. There's a barrel, there's a jar with a hundred marbles in it. 40 red, 30 green. 20 blue, 10 yellow. If I pick out a, a, you know, marble at random, it's more likely to be a red one, even though 60 of the marbles aren't red. You can, if you just said the most likely marble is going to be red. It's the same thing as the lineups that are in this set, the set right here of lineups. Do I want to have to determine when a yellow marble is coming out? No, it's... I'm going to care more about, I'm just going to make red marbles and it's more likely to be right than not because there's more red marbles in the jar. That's it. This is what sets mean. So when you think of variables in DFS, you have to think of, here's a set of profitable lineups. What do they all look like individually? All different shapes and sizes, all different ownerships. Their payouts are all at different Different distributions. Someone, some, all different profitability. There are some lineups that are marginally profitable. Some lineups that are much bigger profitable. Where does that profit come from? Some just cash more often. Some win first place more often. Some, some lineups that are, have a 30% total ownership are as profitable as a lineup that does 160% total ownership. Some lineups with different meetings, different ceilings, different, Different combinations of players, depending on what your opponents have. You see that a lot in showdown. That a line, a lineup that is like only a two v two off, could have a dramatically different profitability based on the combinations of players. It's like, yeah, the ownership is similar, but this lineup has way less combinations in the field than the other lineups. So your duplication factor goes way down. Even though the ownership sum didn't change. Doesn't mean the other lineup is unprofitable, no. One lineup could be more profitable than the other. So when you think of these terms, you're like, how how much, how much projection should I you you dude, there are lineups that sacrifice God knows how much projection that are profitable. There are lineups that sacrifice two points of projection that are wildly unprofitable. There's less of them. There's less of them, but they still exist. There's just less of them. So when people ask these questions of like, what is that? It shows that you're not thinking in terms of sets. Sets of problems. Because you're asking, you're asking, what, what are the two things that I say? The answer, if the question has a yes or no answer, dumb question. The answer has a, if the question could be answered with an exact number, dumb question. How much projection should you leave? Dumb question. There are, 
You could leave one, 18, seven. There are lineups that there are two lineups that sacrifice seven points in projection. One is highly profitable, one is highly unprofitable. But they both drop set. Yeah, because that's not the only thing that you're considering. This is 800 million variables. So stop talking in absolutes. That anytime you see a six foot thing with two legs and eyeballs, that it's a human. It's not. Stop thinking like that. What else do you have to look for? Well, I got to look for this. And everything that you start adding to it, I can make it so that it's not a singleton set. Meaning that there's more than one element, more than one thing in the set. This guy's wearing sneakers. It's like a gorilla could wear sneakers. Right? Wearing pants. A gorilla could wear pants. I could put pants on a flamingo. Like you start naming things, it's like, well, now we're going to start adding all these variables and you're still not down to a guaranteed 100% to be a human being. Because, dude, even the two legs. Two legs? If you had said, this encapsulates all human beings. If you go two legs, that would be wrong also. There are plenty of humans that don't have two legs. Right? Have you seen amputees? People with birth defects? Are they not human? They're human. They don't have two legs. There are people with no legs. Right? You seen the movie Kids? It was on the skateboard. So even saying legs doesn't even mean that it's guaranteed to be a human. You're going to miss out on humans. Now, obviously, in the set of human beings, most, a very high majority, more, more of them have two legs. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. But not all of them. So if you were to pull out one of these not two-legged things, you couldn't tell me 100% on whether or not that was not a human. Go, oh, I have this thing with one leg. Well, that can't be a human being because it doesn't have two legs. So it could be. There's just less of them. There's just less of them. So hopefully, hopefully, hopefully this means something to someone. I always, I always feel that the people that watch the show regularly are the ones that don't need any of this. The people that send me questions uh, randomly are the ones that just don't watch the show. And I say, did you watch the show? And they go, no. And you wonder, and you wonder, and you wonder. But this is what I, I, I mean, I've gotten a lot of questions in about is building 5-3 better than this 5-2-1, 3 one-offs? So, but No, not necessarily. You're, you're you're describing one. Is it is it better to turn right or left in a car? Like that's what you're asking. Well, it depends on where you're going. Like like, there's no better right or left, right? I think there's more there's more good rights than lefts, right? Lefts are a little bit trickier, right? You have to cross traffic. So I would say, in general, if you ask me the question of should you turn right or left, I'd say there are more good rights than more than good lefts. Like that would be the answer. There are more good rights than good lefts. Like if I if I wanted to go to uh, the gas station or whatever, drive to the gas station a mile away, like 
Should I go 60 miles an hour or 30 miles an hour? It's like, well, I don't know what the, I don't know what streets that. I don't, can you go 60 miles an hour? I, I don't know. You get there faster, but you may get a ticket, right? Maybe there's speed bumps. If you went 60, you, your shocks would I There are other things involved. So simply, there, there's probably more. The more, if you said you, you live somewhere, like we just took it as a set. You said you have a gas station that's a mile away. And that's all the information that I know. That's literally the only information. You have a gas station that's a mile away. Should you drive 30 miles an hour or 60 miles an hour? I'd say there's more good outcomes of driving 30 than driving 60. Right? If you told me the gas station was 18 miles away, then I'd say 60 over 30. Because if you're saying 18 miles away, I'm assuming you're living in a in an area where you're going to get on a highway of some type that you could go at least 60 miles an hour. Right? That's what I'm inferring. Not saying that that's true, but it's more likely. Do you see what do you see the mindset? You could have the only open. It could be that it's Sunday and some of the you have two local gas stations that don't open because in some rural areas and that sometimes they go to church on Sundays. The only open gas station is 18 miles away, but you're not going to be getting on a highway. And in fact, you're going to be on a state road that has a speed limit of 45. Do you go 60? Well, you're probably not going to get caught speeding, maybe going 60 in a 45. But if you're a mile away from a gas station and you're a residential area and it's a lot of lights, you're in a busy urban area, you're probably not going going 60. You're going to be careening into people. You're going to be hitting into other cars, right? Probably not going to be able to do that. Probably going more like 30. Does it mean always? No, but I'm just saying there's more, more in that set, that set of outcomes, that set of numbers, that set of whatever. There's more instances where based on the limited information that you gave me, there are just more instances where it fits for you to go 30 miles an hour than 60 miles an hour. So by probabilistic chances, the correct answer is more likely to be one than the other. Is it guaranteed to be? No, because you only gave me two pieces of information. If you give me all the other pieces of information, then yeah, now the set of, of good outcomes you know, then they'd be 99% to 1%. Daniel says, all this set talk giving me SQL flashbacks. Yeah. I mean, this, if, you, if, if, you prog- if you program in SQL, this, I mean, you, you have to know these types of concepts for sets and subsets and power sets. That's a, I haven't, I haven't done anything in SQL in eight, maybe 18 years, maybe. I mean, my SQL, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. I've 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 hacked through some MySQL stuff in the in the past decade. But nothing like pure SQL server, anything like that since uh, 2005, maybe 2004, something like that. But yes, you have to understand this you just the concepts just had the, the whole point, the whole point of a course like Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports is how to think like a professional DFS player. Had to think. Well, what button do I press and what settings do I have and how do I build lineups and spit them out? I don't understand anything that's going on and give me the magic button. That doesn't exist. It's thinking about the game. This 
And if you think like this, you, you you'd be good at like any game. You'd be good at any. You mean you'd be good at programming. You'd be good at so many things that involve these mathematical concepts that aren't just like plug this into a formula. You have to train your brain to think like this, unless unless you, your brain already, my brain is already wired like this. That's maybe that's the reason why I go. I why is everyone else stupid? My my brain my brain works very literally. That I just automatically unless you, unless you spell it out, I'm gonna put in and I'm gonna think of all the possibilities like beforehand. Like if I'm gonna go to the gas station, right? If I'm gonna go to Kroger, I'm gonna go down here. I'm gonna make a left, right? Make a left. I have to look at this side. Look at the no. They closed it. The, they closed the street down the road, so that changes some of the traffic patterns. I could drive like this at the post office. People always, when they turn left into the post office, it causes a backup. So you know what? I preferred, you know, to go not at one o'clock on a Friday because a lot of the people go into the post office. So I have to determine that. And if, it, if it's 1 p.m. on a Friday, I could possibly go around the block. Like, this is what I think. So to think of, this is the only way to get the Kroger is not how I ever think. This is the only way to do X. Now I think of like where where do I need to go, and what what is the set of what is the set of paths to that? So I need to go to Kroger. Okay, I could get to Kroger in twenty different ways. Like 16, 15, 16 of those ways are twice as long as they need to be. If the other five ways, unless the other five ways are blocked. I wouldn't consider any of those six, those other 15 ways. So given that um, the variables, you know, that there's more ways to do this, there's more, there's less ways to do that. I'm going to do, I'm going to do this. We have a light at, at the end, at the end of the avenue over here. That's a pain in the ass because it's a three-way light. You always, if you don't make the light, you're going to be sitting there for four minutes. Okay. So you know what I do? I could see that light in the distance. And there's a cutoff. Like if you go into the supermarket with Kroger, there's a there's a driveway that lets you out on this other road. That you still have to wait at the light there, but it may may be much. It's much shorter because it's the main it's the main avenue, it's the main thoroughfare. So based on where the light is, if I see that it's still a red light at that long light, I won't make that cutoff. But if I see it's green, if it's green. At the point that I make that I'm up to that point, I'm never going to make it to that light. It's going to turn red by the time I get there. So you know what I do? I turn left. And that's after the post office. That, you know, if it's after four o'clock, there's, there's going to be no one turning left. So it's unlikely, unlikely, doesn't mean no one, unlikely people to be turning left. So if it's like, if it's like noon or whatever like that, and if I see, if I, if I end up getting stuck at the post office behind someone trying to turn left at the post office and the light is green over there, I'm definitely going through the cutoff. If the light's red, maybe I could still make I could make it. And then this is how I think. This is how I this is how I live my life. Like what I described to you with driving, driving, just driving down the street. I'm just calculating what efficient way. If I did this, it's there. It's there. I, I'm used to that. Is this guy gonna turn that way? 
right? Which way do I go here? Which is the most efficient path forward? That's what I think about everything. But there's multiple possibilities. There's just like one way of doing something. It's like given these, these variables, but if you don't give me any of the variables, we go, uh, we're going to describe uh, just random day, random time, random everything. I'd be like, well, I'm just going to pretty much whatever Google Maps says is the way I go. Google Maps doesn't know how long some lights are and who gets stuck making left turns into post offices. It doesn't know that, right? I know that, right? So then I can deviate from what it's telling me. But given given all things being equal, yeah, I'm going to go the route that, that, that Google Maps is correct. All things being equal, that would be the fastest route. Same thing, all things being equal, there are more X amount of lineups in this set than other types of lineups. Doesn't mean that those are the only lineups that are profitable. Just means it's just more of them. That's it. That's all that it means. So if you want to send in your questions, questions at theoryofdfs.com. I explain a lot of this in the course. This is, I mean, this is how to how to think, how to think mathematically. I think that's the core of, of why people think mathematically the way that they do. Seems common. It seems it seems natural to me. That black and white thinking it just it makes like no. I'm I'm gonna you're gonna describe a couple of variables, then I'm gonna figure out a way where one of these things doesn't like. Well, if I put like when people say like oh I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna play uh, you know I'm gonna play a five three lineup in baseball. I said well I, well I'm gonna all of them are substitutes. Or bench players. You go, well, I wouldn't play bench players. It said, yeah, but you're still describing a 5-3 lineup. Right? We're in showdown where, where someone's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna stack the quarterback with four wide receivers. I said, how about the four two hundred dollar wide receivers? They go, No, I wouldn't play all four of those. It's like, yeah, but you you just described the lineup. So you you described the lineup. I gave you a lineup that looked exactly like that, and you said, No, not that lineup. I go, yeah, but your description means that it can that the set can include that lineup also. It's like, well, I don't want to include that. okay, which means you have to describe what you're doing more. You have to add more variables. You're considering you're doing just that. You're just automatically just saying, well, I'm throwing out anyone that's a two hundred dollar, well, you know, seventh wide receiver on the team. Well, what about the injured reserve players? Are there in NBA showdown? There's absolutely lineups that are profitable that have players that are literally never going to play. We've seen it. You've seen it. You've seen it often enough. Not, I mean, not ridiculously often. Where the only way to get the, the highest possible score is by playing some thousand, 1K guy, right? And you're like, an NBA show. This happens in NBA showdown a lot. NFL, it does also. Not as often. So if you're telling me that there are lineups that win solo $100,000 in showdown that include a player that is literally dead, maybe died that season, draws in Petrovic, I don't know, was he, I don't know, whatever. So for me to say, it's like, like, oh, should I, 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 I should I play guys that aren't going to play in my lineup? I, but there are more lineups that, that have guys that are playing than guys that are not playing. But there's there are still lineups that contain a 1K guy that gets zero that ends up being an optimal lineup. Which ones are those? There are less of them. But there are. 
So to just say, I'm never going to play that. If you just never played that, you'd probably, you, you could still make plenty of lineups that don't include that zero player. But if that zero player type of lineup wins, you can't say, oh, that lineup sucks. Blah, blah, blah. Like, no, that's, that was absolutely viable lineups. There just aren't as many of them. That's it. I don't see what's hard. That's that's hard of a concept. But if you do have any questions, I'm always here. I mean, that's what I do here. It's mostly math lessons. I mean, pretty much most of DFS is, is math. It's not about figuring out, you know, who's going to hit home run today. It's just probability. You take a look at the projections we have here at Roto-Grinders. Click on that link in the description. Get $10 off your first month. And I'll see you tomorrow. Uh, do, do we have a do we have a regular slate tomorrow? It's either tomorrow or Thursday. I'm preempted one of these days, right? I think we have grinders live on. We have an early slate. I think it may be Thursday. Thursday, I think it's Thursday. But tomorrow, so tomorrow, you have to deal with me again tomorrow. So I'm here answering your DFS strategy questions. Monday through Friday, eleven o'clock Eastern, on the DFS pregame show on RotoGrinders.com.